Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip talks about why we don't need more black banks. Can governments ban Bitcoin? And what's the downside to Bitcoin? Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. And now... Here's Philip. June 21st, 2021. Uh, first topic we're going to talk about today. And before I get into that, happy Father's, happy late Father's Day to all the fathers. Hope you enjoyed yourself. I enjoyed myself. Had a great Father's Day. Sweetness spoiled me. So I am excited about this week, which is my birthday week. But let's let's get into the let's get into the podcast today. So first topic, black banks. I've been seeing a lot of chatter on the internet about new black banks, black banks coming up, starting black banks and all that, and all that stuff. And I think it's good. I mean, I love the, I love the concept in general, but knowing what I know about finance and where the industry is going five years from now, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, when I hear, Hey, we should really start doing more black banks. You know, I, I, my mind goes to like 19, it's 19 or actually not even 19. Like my mind goes to, yeah, like it's, it's 1910. They say, Oh, you know what? We should start a black horse and buggy company. Well, we have automobiles now. That's the, that's the way to, you know, that's the way to transport people in the past, but we need to, instead of, you know, in 1910, we didn't need to start black buggy companies. We need to start black car companies in 1910, right? It was a generation behind. And so today I don't think we need, black banks right we need we we need more black vc firms venture capital firms we need we need more of that um and maybe we need some black crowdsourcing companies like the uh i can't remember that crowdsource company where you could like you know all your friends can put in money uh for your business on the internet i'm slipping my mind right now but we need more of those uh, or, or and we need more digital wallets, right? Because I did a podcast episode in the past about digital wallets being the banks of the future. That would be a good idea. But I don't know if if the black community needs to be excited about plugging into the traditional banking system because it's the problem. I've done many episodes on the problem is the current banking system is plugged into the central bank. The reason why we have the racial wealth gap is you have a small group of people that determine the supply of money in the system and the closest to the money gets rewarded the most. And since this country has a history and the world has a history of holding down black people, redlining, not letting us buy assets, property, stuff like that, you you have a system that is just not not friendly to the minority because we're not closest to the money. So what 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 I believe the, the better alternative for black people is to buy Bitcoin, right? And embark in the peaceful revolution towards the new decentralized uh, world that we live in. So so I think the, the better idea is to start like black mining pools. I, t- I did an episode last week about uh, Bitcoin mining and mining pools. Like we need black 
mining pools. We need to accumulate this Bitcoin so that we can pull our resources together and 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 start, you know, build our wealth in Bitcoin. Because as it, as it evolves, we'll be able to loan our Bitcoin out to other businesses, black businesses who want to do it. We could spread our Bitcoin out around to Africa, to the motherland, to to our neighborhoods here, right? Go into the inner city neighborhoods and help them begin to uh, learn about Bitcoin, learn about crypto, help them own Bitcoin. I think instead of being a generation behind, because by the way, when you look at other communities, typically like in America, if you look at Bitcoin, it's predominantly white male, predominantly white male, like every, just like tech was, tech was predominantly white male. And we're getting into tech now, but we're getting into Internet 2.0. We're already at Internet 3.0, which is crypto. And so 10 years from now, when you have all these Bitcoin, you know, even more Bitcoin billionaires, we're going to say, oh, we were left out. We were left out. We got to go there now. We have to get there now, like not in 10 years. Get there now, because the, the, the cool thing is there is no there is no man holding people back from accumulating Bitcoin. Bitcoin is an open system. You can plug into it anytime you want. Cash App, Cash App, Jack Dorsey's company, uh, Square, which owns Cash App, that Jack Dorsey is all about banking the unbanked, right? And and, and that's our community. Like our community in, um, uh, has a lot of times been excluded from the traditional banking system. And so it's it's easy to buy Bitcoin through Cash App, or you can, I mean, any, it's a lot of good places that you can buy online. I don't care about your color. Bitcoin's where we need to be as a people. And I'm talking a specific, I'm not saying cryptocurrency. I said Bitcoin. There's a big difference. If you're talking about the getting economical power, you got to say, okay, where's the traditional banking system going? And as I mentioned in previous episodes, Bitcoin is going to be the foundational labor uh, uh, level one of the current financial system, in my opinion. Level two, lightning, uh, mining pools, or Bitcoin miners replace the banks. And so understanding that is critical. So we got to be there. Next topic. Can the governments ban Bitcoin? I mean, they can. A couple of the governments have, have, have tried and reversed it. But you got to think about it in the context of humans, right? Governments have, governments banned alcohol. And people didn't stop drinking alcohol, and we see what eventually happened with that. Governments banned marijuana and other drugs, and nobody stopped. As a matter of fact, nobody stopped using it. The industry got bigger and bigger, and the the drug cartels got richer and richer and richer. Internet, I mean, China, you know, a lot of authoritarian governments, you know, banned the internet. The internet didn't go away; it stayed. It just it operated better in the in the places that were more free, i.e., the U.S got the wealth uh, and the ones that were not, i.e. like, you know, some of the dictator countries didn't. China banned Google. They still use Google and YouTube a lot in China via VPNs and satellite. China right now is banning Bitcoin mining and they're just like airlifting our operation to the U.S. coming to Texas, Miami and other places. And so in a world of 8 billion people, governments can make it difficult or ban in their own area. But what happens in with humans is we just work around it. You can't suppress freedom. And so and all it does when, when a country bans Bitcoin, that country, it messes up their economic 
situation for a long time, they end up on a losing hand because they, they lose talent to the more free, open societies that uh, embrace it and what it can be to the economy. And I, I honestly think this China ban is really good because as for, for U.S. citizens, because right now, right, you know, Chinese have the yin and yang concept, like we're the yin to, to their yang. So if they want to ban Bitcoin, I really think American politicians are going to be like, cool, if y'all don't want it, like we're going to support it. And we already got states that are making it easier, Texas, Florida, uh, Wyoming, who's competed for Bitcoin. We got a lot of Bitcoin friendly, you know, Republicans and Democrats uh, in Congress. We got financial institutions in it, rich people in it. And so Bitcoin is what America says it is free about freedom. And I can so see us embracing, especially with China. I mean, I, we'll see how it plays out. But you would have to, to, to completely ban Bitcoin. You have to shut the Internet off. Every country has to band together to uh, say they're going to also ban it. So they don't. So, so it's hard for everybody, no matter where they are, to um, to ban Bitcoin. Then they would have to place it on lockdown. So we couldn't still try to uh, work around it because of all the satellites. They got to smash a bunch of computers. Basically, it's like impossible. They just like trying to stamp out drugs and alcohol and even fighting that war forever. You can't ban Bitcoin. Next question. Downside to Bitcoin. My friend texted me this question uh, last last week or over the weekend. And he he's going through his learning journey, you know, watching different videos. And he said, hey, I'm interested in Bitcoin more and I don't see a downside. I was like, yeah, bro, it's, what you're seeing is it's way better than the current system that we operate in. Way better. So what's the downside? The volatility. The volat- As a matter of fact, it's funny that I texted him that because then we woke up to Bitcoin dropping even more this morning because of the China ban and hash power getting shut down and moved um, over here, which creates volatility. I was like, Any, anytime you're investing in a new technology, like the the the, the more it, it, it's going to disrupt, like bit, the, the market size or what do they call it in technology, the total addressable market, the TAM, right? The size that Bitcoin is going after is like, money which is a hundred trillion plus market cap so it's a huge tam total addressable market and it's a better technology and 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 so and you have it being a huge disruption i mean money is at the top of the food chain of what of how we run economies and so on that transition over a long period of time you have lots of volatility you can make a lot of money too and and as the transition goes through for successful you will make a lot of money if you can hold on through all the volatility, all the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt, uh, all the stress. And that's that's no small feat, uh, trust me. But if you you know have a strong community uh, that, that keeps you um, focused, understand more, um, you know the, the 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 accountability and the knowledge will keep you focused on. The, the long term. And then you go, I don't really care about a death cross. I don't care about what the 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 50 and the 200 day moving average says about Bitcoin's price in the short term. What I care about is Bitcoin sucking up all that money as it on its way to the new foundational layer of the of of the new financial system. And and then you just do what you do. You just 
work around it. You just start stacking your sats, accumulating Bitcoin. If it goes down, you get excited. Cool. Actually, you know, you act, your mindset changes. You're like, cool. Like, I want to go down some more because I want to own as many Bitcoins as possible. I'm in accumulation mode. I'm making money. I'm not, I'm not trying to spend it. I'm trying to accumulate Bitcoin. If you're trying to buy a house, you don't want the price to go up. You want it to come down. Same with Bitcoin. I'm trying to accumulate Bitcoin, right? I want as many Bitcoins as possible. And so once you get to that mindset, all this short-term noise is useless. Until tomorrow, y'all enjoy your day. If you are interested in having a review of your portfolio or to see how far on track you are with your retirement goals, Philip offers complimentary consults through his company, Stonehill Wealth Management. For more information, log on to StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. That's StonehillWealthManagement.com forward slash talk. Philip Washington Jr. is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.